C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yerge, and today we are doing something super special, never a dull moment here on Camp Adulthood. So we have a guest host here, which I'll introduce, and don't worry for everyone that's like, I love Shay, Maddie, you're annoying, I only listen when Shay's on. Don't worry, Shay is still here, nothing wrong, just we're mixing it up and giving Shay a little bit of a break and trying out a new format, but Shay will be back next week and every week, so if you love Shay and you don't like me, don't even worry about it, no, I'm just kidding. But we're really (laughs) excited um, to have this little solo episode with a guest host to do a deep dive on two very current internet topics, um, one of which we've talked a little bit about on the show in the past, the whole Rachel Hollis divorce drama. So excited to get some updates there and do a deeper dive. And then also the Free Britney movement that Emily knows way more about than I do, so I'm going to be learning along with you guys. Um, but I want to introduce our guest slash guest host for the evening, um, Emily Hudson, who has been on the podcast a couple times. Um, you may recall her episode um, where we discussed your religious history um, and all of the good stuff there in our three-part series about religion, and you've come on to talk just about your wonderful small business um, in Wilmington with the Gyrotonic and Pilates. So welcome back, Emily, to Camp Adulthood. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm sorry that Shay couldn't join us today, but I'm happy to fill in. I love Shay, too. I'm a regular listener of the pod. Shay is also a business partner of mine in uh, an adventure together. So yes. I'm not I'm not trying to replace Shay. She's my girl. <laughs> I'm not. She's my girl. And I'm really, really, really excited to come on and talk about these things today because like the last time I was here, I feel like I cried the entire <laughs> hour. And so like I need to like show a different side of my personality. So. <laughs> we love that. We love the range. And maybe if you want to give a little plug, I know Shay's been on your podcast and Maybe if you want to talk about that a little bit, kind of yeah. maybe brief what you've been up to since we last talked on the business front. Oh, man. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy. Obviously, everybody's life has been turned upside down with COVID and the pandemic. But for me specifically, being the owner of a small boutique fitness studio, it's been especially difficult because in North Carolina, um, we are still currently not allowed to operate. We're still closed. Um, the only little bit of wiggle room that we've been given is, uh, we are allowed to see, uh, clients if they've been prescribed or directed by a medical professional. And so fortunately for me, um, I have been able to see a couple of people privately in the studio because they do come to me for basically physical therapy and therapeutic reasons. And so that's been a godsend, but it's been it's been really difficult for people in the fitness industry, and I'm no exception. Um, and Shay and I, we, she was my I hired her as my business coach. I think like a year and a half ago, and um, 
you know, we were friends before that and we're still friends now. And she's just always somebody that I go to when I have questions about business things. And she always provides a really unique perspective because she's not in the boutique fitness industry. And that's really nice to get that sort of outside perspective. And so we had always kind of been brainstorming like on something that we could collaborate together. And we designed a workshop for studio owners. And so she was going to be sort of the business brain and I was going to be the, the, the boots on the ground teacher brain, you know, coming together to help other boutique fitness studio owners streamline their business, maximize profit, minimize stress, all of that stuff. And it was going to be in March. Well, (laughs) we all know what happened in March. (laughs) So obviously that did not happen. And so we pivoted and we put it online. And so we've developed this online course for other boutique fitness studio owners. Um, and that's been, that's been a really fun project, uh, and collaboration, uh, and distraction from everything that's going on in the world right now. Um, so that's a really positive thing that's come out of, uh, the pandemic. That's awesome. The name of the game is pivoting and you also have <laughs> a podcast too. Maybe you want to talk a little bit yeah. about that. I know Shay has been a guest on your podcast and you've had a lot of really interesting guests. Exactly. Yeah. So the the podcast is specifically for boutique fitness studio owners. I mean, I think we have a range of people who who listen, but it is primarily for people who teach Pilates and people who teach Jartonic and they own a small brick and mortar studio. And so um, all of season five of the podcast, it was just me and Shay. So it was like the Shay and Emily season (laughs) um, on the podcast where we uh, we would deep dive into specific topics, whether it was client onboarding, um, uh, marketing, Facebook ads, how to write copy, uh, recurring revenue models, even down to like really basic things like how to set up your business legally, uh, hiring and firing all of like these, like very, very basic things that, you know, as a Pilates teacher and as a Jartonic teacher, you don't learn that when you become a Pilates teacher and you don't learn that when you become a Jartonic teacher. You learn about Pilates and you learn how to teach clients Pilates and you learn how to teach people Jartonic and how to use your hands and how to say things in the right way. And then you get your certificate and you get thrown out into the real world and you have no idea how to how to do all of this stuff in in a proper way and you kind of get thrown into the fire and you have to learn on the fly as you go. And basically this whole course and the, and the season five of the podcast and the whole podcast really was just, you know, I wanted to create something that I wish I had when I first started out where I could go and I could listen to other people and I could learn from other people so that I didn't always feel like I was treading water, you know, and I actually had some like, some help and some handholding, um, through the process of what it meant to be a business owner and not just a movement teacher. That's awesome. Paying it forward. And the name of your podcast is enjoy studio ownership, right? Correct. Yes. It's awesome. We're about to do season six. Yeah. Season six launches August 5th. Awesome. Definitely check that out. And I'll say as someone who obviously I'm not in the boutique fitness industry, um, but I have listened to your podcast in the past, and I think that there's a lot of lessons for really any small business owner that has a brick and mortar um, element to it. And even myself as like I have a nine to five corporate job, but even just like 
I've definitely applied a lot of the lessons that I've heard in your podcast to like this podcast and side hustles and stuff like that. So I'll give that plug if we have people that are like, oh, I don't know if it's for me or whatever. I think any of these type of entrepreneurial business questions, it's definitely a well-rounded listen. So well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Awesome. All right. Now for the hard hitting journalistic portion of the evening. So like we said, so excited. Yes. So we're (laughs) going to do a little bit of a deeper dive. And I'm so excited because um, the first topic, like I said, is Rachel Hollis and just the whole ecosystem and her divorce and everything, which um, Shay and I, one of us had it as our hot topic for our last friendship episode. So you can get kind of Shay's reaction there as well because she's not here. But um, we were so excited because Shay, I brought it up in the podcast and Shay was like, oh my God, former guest of the pod, Emily, like (laughs) was texting me about this and was like, you have to talk about it. And I was like, I had, I think, a similar emotional reaction where I was like, I can't believe how invested I am into this story and how much time (laughs) I've, like how much mental energy I've spent on it. And I think... We'll get into, I'll kind of lay the groundwork, but I think it's so, Rachel Hollis, we've talked about her on this podcast. She's such a millennial, I don't know if icon is the right word, but she's someone that has influenced internet culture and kind of the self-help space in a way that I can't think of another person of her age group, and especially being a woman that has had such a impact on the culture. So I think as a millennial topic, it's really interesting to dissect. There's so many facets. So essentially, if you're like, I don't know who Rachel Hollis is, I'll kind of speed through the stuff that we talked about in the last podcast episode and then give some updates. Um, And then we'll get Emily's hot takes and anything that I miss. But essentially, (laughs) Rachel Hollis, she's an author. She does live workshops. Obviously, that's pivoted online now as well. But she's most famous, I think, for writing a book called Girl, Wash Your Face. And she also... I think kind of went viral a while back because she posted a bunch of photos on Instagram of her with like stretch marks. And she kind of had this ethos of like, I'm a regular girl. I'm a regular mom. I'm relatable. But I also like she, to her credit, like she has written a number of books. She built an event business by her self, although it's a little dubious because her husband was making a million dollars at Disney, but we'll get into that (laughs) later. So um, I think that you know, Girl, Wash Your Face came out and I initially read it going into it being like, I'm not going to like this. I have nothing in common with this woman. I'm not. I was raised Christian, but it's not something as an adult that I really practice. And Rachel Hollis is religious. Her books are with a Christian imprint. At least her last couple books were. I'm not a mom. I'm not married. I don't live in the same place. I'm not an entrepreneur. Like, what am I going to get out of this? And I read Girl, Wash Your Face. And I was like, whoa, such a breath of fresh air. Like she's and I think a lot of people had this reaction, right, where they were like, she's just kind of telling it like it is like she's kind of a straight shooter. You know, there's nothing that she said in that book or really anything that I've ever read or listened to her. She also has a podcast and stuff like that. And there's nothing that she ever says that's like, wow so groundbreakingly original but I I think like as a teacher I don't know what it is but her style and her way of communicating these lessons always kind of really resonated with me and so after reading Girl Wash Your Face a couple years ago I kind of started getting 
more involved with her stuff. I, I listen to her podcast. So she has the Rise podcast, which is like she interviews inspirational people. And then she and her husband, Dave, had the Rise Together podcast. And so this kind of pivots into the recent drama of she recently had Dave come on in her business. So she left the event planning space. She still writes books, but they have the Hollis company. And so Rachel's kind of lifestyle brand and self-help and all this like empowerment stuff, they kind of rebranded it as the Hollis company. And then Dave, her husband, um, left his job as an executive at Disney to run her company. And initially he had the CEO title, which was a little contentious and I don't know if you noticed, but they like very quietly reintroduced Rachel as the CEO and then Dave was the uh-huh. COO. Like that even... was back in December. Yeah. yeah. So like that was kind of like, okay, interesting, interesting. Um, and so Dave came on to kind of be like the business end. Um, but for those that aren't familiar with their relationship, a lot of Rachel talks about this in Girl, Wash Your Face. And then Dave Hollis actually wrote his own book called Get Out of Your Own way I think it's called um and I read it recently and it's kind of a savage book like he goes into (laughs) the fact that like he tried to convince Rachel not to publish a lot of the best parts in my opinion of girl wash your face like a lot of the stuff about their sex life and their marriage and the fact that like when they were dating he kind of treated Rachel like a booty call and not like a respected human kind of thing and he also go. there's an anecdote in that book where she kind of is telling him a dream of hers and he's like, oh, you have a 3% chance of making that happen. And she ended up doing the thing and then she bought a charm bracelet that has a 3% charm on it because to kind of symbolize to herself. And Dave also goes into the book how he was like drinking a lot with the kids and like whatever. And the whole book is positioned as Dave kind of finding himself and finding self-help and bettering himself through his relationship with Rachel but in the back of my mind I'm always like Rachel why are you putting up with this like what's going on and so anyways high level this is all kind of happening in the background they have their anniversary in May Dave posts like a nice post which he's since taken down but then reposted it with like more details recently um and he posts like a photo from their vow renewal and was like, yeah, it hasn't been the easiest road the past 16 years. I'm paraphrasing, but like something like that. Rachel doesn't post anything. She posts a photo of her with Glennon Doyle's new book, Untamed. For those that haven't read that book, a lot of parallels here because Glennon Doyle also is kind of like in the same self-help space. And she felt pressured to not leave her husband because a lot of her work was with her husband and about her husband. And she ended up leaving and finding all of this fulfillment. And that's part of what Untamed is about. And so Rachel posted a photo of this book. Then they go radio silent very strategically during the Black Lives Matter kind of height. We're, we're still in it in a lot of ways. But like that very first week around Memorial Weekend where a lot of companies were like, we're going to take five days off to like educate our people and we're not going to clutter social media with all this stuff. They go silent and then they resurface not to say anything about Black Lives Matter, but to say we're getting divorced. Mind you, these people run a business together. They have four kids, one of whom they adopted two years ago, and they admitted like they've been struggling with their marriage for three years. So that's a little interesting to me that they 
choose chose to adopt a kid in the time that they were struggling with their marriage and they very quickly so this is kind of the update portion that we didn't talk about in the last um episode where Rachel was like I'm taking a break from social media she's like doing her email listserv now they completely divorce the two podcasts so Rachel's doing rise and then Dave is doing rise together but he like rebranded it as his own podcast Mm -hmm. and then over the past couple weeks they've just been basically like I feel like trading these like podcast episodes where they're like it's been a tough time and then like (laughs) Dave just posted on Instagram basically admitting that Rachel broke up with him essentially like two days after their anniversary and so it's like more and more details are coming out and then the big news this morning was that Rachel was already kind of in process of writing a book about grief since part of her story was her brother committed suicide when she was a teenager and she's had a a lot of these hardships over her life and so speaking from a place of her expertise on grief she was writing this book and then she really wanted to rush it so that it would be out while people were emerging from COVID and that would be like their grief thing. And she's still publishing the book, but obviously acknowledging the fact that she's going through a divorce. So it's coming out in September. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to read it. Like I have to, I'm so invested. (laughs) So that's my long winded explanation. Was there anything that I missed or what are, what are your thoughts? So much happening. I, so, so, so many things happening. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I am definitely, I definitely want to read the book when it comes out in September, but I don't want to give her any more of my freaking money. So I've got to find a way to get a hold of it, like borrow it from somebody or get it from the library because honestly, maybe you can say like how, how you kind of came to know Rachel Hollis. Like, are you a fan or kind of what was your relationship with her? I was a super fan. Like, I drank the Kool-Aid hardcore. Like I was, I was in it, and um, I feel like to- I feel very bamboozled by this whole thing, and I feel very deceived, and I feel very, I feel very, very hurt because I was all in. Like I read the first book, I read the second book, I bought the journals. I oh, very yeah. seriously. I have the journal I, too. Yeah, I I did not read Dave's book, but I very um, heavily considered going to their business concert conference. They had a Rise business conference in Charleston, South Carolina last year, and Charleston's just down the road from me. Like that would have been like super easy to go to, and like I'm glad that I didn't because I that those kind of conferences are not cheap, you know, and it would have cost me thousands of dollars to go. But for, for me to, you know, invest money, read these books, believe in it and listen to the podcast, the rise podcast and the rise together podcast for so long, like a really long time on the regular, I was a regular listener, a subscriber. This really did come out of left field. Yeah. It really, really did. To ask you like, because I felt the same way that they said in their respective posts they had been struggling with their marriage for years. And I think right. that was apparent, you know, kind of in Girls Stop Apologizing and Girl Wash Your Face and then Dave's book. But they always, I think for me, and I'm interested if you feel the same on Rise Together, they always acknowledged where they came from and the fact that the uh-huh. beginning of their relationship was rocky, but they always positioned it as like, this is how That's we got through it. So to me, that was the most deceitful thing. But what I'm struggling with is like how 
should we divorce that from like the professional stuff that Rachel Hollis is doing or is it hard because all their brand is like wrapped up in each other? I think it's, I think it's really hard to, to separate the business from what's going on in their personal life. And that's on her. She's the one who decided to put their life on a pedestal as the shining example that we should all look up to them and seek their advice. I mean, it literally says in Dave's book, like I saw the excerpt, even though I didn't um, read his book about how like you wouldn't go to somebody for advice who didn't, you know, you wouldn't go to someone who is overweight on how to lose weight. You would go to a trainer, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sure that's the exact analogy he used, but he was very clear in saying like, you don't go to somebody who has a terrible relationship for relationship advice. You go and you seek out someone who has a great relationship. Like, and they always said all like all the time, and I don't know who originally said this, but you're, you know, the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So yeah. like pick those five people wisely. And so they kept like, they very much, you know, promoted themselves and put themselves out there as the experts on these things. I mean, Right, like a couple of weeks before they announced their divorce on the Rise Together podcast, they had they aired an episode about how they were thriving in quarantine, yeah, and how they loved each other so much more than before they were in quarantine. They were having wonderful sex and yeah. like all of this. And they stuff. were also in the middle then, of like, like <laughs> they were also in the middle of a challenge. I forgot to mention this too, but they were they do this thing where they usually do it for the last three months of the year, but it's like the ninety day challenge, and they did one during the quarantine. And it was very much like what you're describing. It was very like lovey-dovey. They would trade off on like one week it would be Rachel doing the video. And it was like basically every week they would center on like some type of topic like optimism or perseverance or something. And they would record kind of a 30 minute long video tutorial of like this is how we're framing this. And they had Mm -hmm. one on their relationship. And then when this happened, they basically didn't do the challenge for a week. And then they had Britt Barron, who's someone that works for them, who is a woman of color, like essentially do the last two weeks. And so I definitely felt the same way you did that I was I I want to like put myself in their shoes to try to understand it of like and now that we have the added context of we know that it wasn't Dave that initiated it. It was Rachel like it puts almost more of the onus on her not that Dave is not culpable in a lot of this but I almost wonder like how much how much Dave really knew and how blindsided he was and then because it seems very like when they first posted on Instagram they were like oh well we're on the same page and we're they had pretty much identical Instagram posts of like we've been coming to this conclusion for a long time and we just, it's a mutual decision. But then as time has gone on, I'm like, it doesn't seem like it was very mutual. It seems like Dave would have continued potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a theory about this. I love it. it it's It's just a theory, but okay. So I think that when they were living in LA and Dave was still working for the Disney Corporation like that you know that was when the relationship was bad and that's when Rachel you know basically gave Dave the ultimatum like if you don't grow because I'm growing 
we are going to grow apart mm-hmm. and we're going to get a divorce. Right. Which so, Dave does go into that in his book of like, uh-huh. there was a trip that they went on in Hawaii where mm-hmm. he was like heavily drinking and Rachel was like in the middle. This was in 2018. So like two years ago, two and a half years ago. So like the timeline kind of checks out and right, right. that was that's the first chapter of his book of like how he got on this personal growth journey was Rachel basically being like I'm going to leave you. So I think that yeah. part checks out. Yeah. Yeah. So he he is like I want to save my marriage. I love my family. I love my wife. I'm going to, you know, get on this uh self-help, self, you know, whatever train with you that you're on because I love you and I care about you and I want to make this work. And like, I think that him leaving his job and joining her at the Hollis Co and moving to Texas and doing all of that was like the big gesture, right? From him of like, I'm all in, like I'm here, I want to be here and I'm doing this. And I do think that he he changed over over the last three years. And I do want to like I do want to say that because I I feel like sometimes Dave gets painted in a bad light because, yeah, he was a jerk in the books, you know, but that was like 16 years ago at the beginning of their relationship. Like that just because he was a jerk 16 years ago doesn't mean that he's a jerk now. So. I think that he he did all of these things for her to save their relationship. And I think Rachel's star shot through the stratosphere, right, with her books and everything. And she got super popular and her fame got really popular. And I think that she and her mind has outgrown Dave. Yeah. I do. And that's like, and I think that it's very telling that, She's the one that asked for the divorce. She's the one that gave him the ultimatum. She's the one that moved out of their house. Yeah, that that's a that's good point. A, that's a huge, huge... When I saw that she was the one who moved out, I was floored. Yeah. I was like, you're, you're not living with your kids? Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't even, like, wrap my head around it. And it's like... And they moved out very quickly. So this happened to... Like, they announced, I mean, maybe there were wheels in motion, but I don't think so, based on, like, when the podcasts and stuff were coming out. Like, I think, literally, it was, like, end of May, she told Dave, they had a week of, like, silence and figuring it out, then they put... they did the Instagram posts announcing it to the world that they were getting divorced, then they were kind of silent for another week, and then Rachel was basically moved out, so she, I think, told Dave, granted, we don't know... Maybe they were having little bitty conversations throughout the way. I don't know. But from the way that Dave's describing it, it seems like it was a little abrupt in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. But like she moved out of the house in two weeks, which is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. And like when you look at her Instagram, this is something that I went on a a boxer rant with Shay. Like we, <laughs> we box each other like all day. And... So if you look at if you look at Rachel's um, Instagram, okay, so she posts that thing about Glennon Doyle, yeah. right? She posted she posted Untamed, and I have not read that book. I know a lot of people love it, and they love Glennon Doyle. I've never read anything that she's written, but I know about her. I've listened to her on podcasts. I know what she's all about, and I thought it was interesting that that was posted on the day 
that Dave posted his thing to very, very different posts yeah. um, around their, around their anniversary. And then, um, uh, the, you, we talked about how everything went dark, right? No podcast episodes were coming out, nothing like that. Well, Rachel's rise podcast comes back on and it's, a just like a 20 minute, uh, video or uh, podcast episode of her talking about what was going on. And I have thoughts on that. Um, but I'll circle back to that later. So the very first episode of the rise podcast where she finally brings a guest back on and she's like, okay, we're moving forward with me interviewing inspirational people is Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. And I said, to Shay, I was like, it's very interesting to me that and telling that, the two like people that she's promoting on her Instagram right now are Glennon Doyle and Elizabeth Gilbert, because yeah. both of these women are famed and well known for divorcing their husbands yeah. and <laughs> following in a different path. Uh, specifically, um, Glennon Doyle is now m- married to Abby Wambach, yeah, and uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, she divorced her second husband and she did not marry um, Rhea, but like left her second husband so she could be with her person that she truly loved, which was Rhea. She wanted to be with her as she was um, going through cancer. Yeah. Um, so I was telling Shay, I was like, do we have a girlfriend waiting yeah. in the wings? That's going to be it's like totally. Po- I, I hadn't put those two together, but I think that's a, that's a brilliant conjecture. Right? I, I mean, maybe that's really far-fetched, but I was like, okay, okay. No, it's what's certainly going... a pattern. Especially since she's the one that moved out of the house. And, right. the and, and like, okay, so I listened. I want to circle back to Rachel's uh, first podcast episode where she talks about what happened. And then I want to talk about Dave's podcast episode yeah. where he kind of talks about what happened. Because Perfect. there's one... I've listened to both, so... Yeah, there's... Uh, to me, wait. the biggest... The biggest difference between the two of them was I feel like Dave was the only one acknowledged that it definitely felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath us. I think he actually literally said those words. Yes, that's exactly what he said. He's like, I can appreciate that you guys feel like the rug has been pulled out from underneath you. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, we do. Can we please just acknowledge that that's exactly what it feels like? And Rachel didn't do that. Like all she did was talk about herself and what she needed and the fact that she didn't see this coming and that she feels like an idiot. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This all feels very, very calculated. On her part. Yeah. On her part. Yeah. Not on Dave's. And that's why I want to like, I want to make that really like clear like I'm on team Dave I am too for sure <laughs> I actually Shay and I talked about this in the last podcast episode where we talked about kind of the first you know right after they announced the divorce and kind of our feelings about it and I've always really resonated with Dave or he's always resonated with me because I have kind of a corporate nine-to-five job I'm not an entrepreneur like I don't I don't really have like a touchy feely personality such that self-help comes naturally to me. So I, I've always really appreciated him being open about the fact that like he he's talked a lot about in like his coaching and like various stuff that I've talked about. Like he has very practical career advice for people that do have nine to five corporate jobs. 
and talking about how people can grow and change throughout life versus Rachel, who I think is a very unique person. Like, she's an Enneagram 3. Like, she's... Which is what most, like, Hollywood stars and, like, the the trope is that threes are, like, actors and stuff and they're all about image and things like that. Um, and so I... While I've enjoyed Rachel's content over the years, I've always... I. I really, in the Rise Together podcast, always kind of gravitated more towards Dave, but still recognizing kind of what you were saying at the beginning of their relationship. The undercurrent throughout all of their work is that Rachel is always one step ahead and Dave's trying to catch up. Even right. at the beginning when he was being a jackass, when he was date when they were dating and he would call her late at night and she was like, I'm a- I was a booty call, whatever. It's like, she was always one step more evolved, whatever term you want to call that, as mm-hmm. him, and he was always one step behind. So I think that's really that's really interesting. But I think there's no way that you can say on one hand, we've been thinking about doing this for three years. Right. A lot of the time you were moving your family, you were adopting a kid, you had your husband quit his job and move away like Dave had never lived outside of California before this and then all of a sudden in the coronavirus pandemic like I almost feel like she she felt trapped maybe like I'm wondering what the timing was because if if it was okay she was just waiting for the perfect time like why would you do it during the COVID pandemic unless there was something about being trapped at home with only Dave and her kids that she was like I gotta get the fuck out of here (laughs) yeah I I don't know and like it it definitely it had to have been bad because I mean I don't know how you could it had to have been bad because you worked so hard to build something as big as they built and then you go and you blow it up yeah you know you like literally like you go and you you blow it up like it had to have been so bad that it was worth blowing up your business yeah for you for you to get out I think that's what's going to be interesting because I think you've touched upon this like I'm kind of of two minds about it because obviously we're spending all this time on this podcast we've still been consuming their content just because I'm like I need the juicy morsels of like what happened (laughs) and like I feel the same way as you I'm like I'm gonna read the book I don't want to give them more money but I'm also like it sucks because like both of them have helped me like I have enjoyed their content over the years and I'm like I I'm losing this like teacher that's given me these lessons and like that that sucks in a way and I'm like it's hard to tell what's real and what's genuine and to your point like that blurriness of have they been lying to us and therefore like Rachel's tips that are totally unrelated to her relationship with Dave like are those also full of shit now like that's kind of where my mind is but I'm like every time I listen her like even her podcast I think it was the second one that she did after this where she was like these are my five things to like get through a tough time and get through grief like I listened to that just because I was like I need to know more details about the divorce (laughs) which she didn't really divulge but even listening to that I was like oh okay I'm like learning something and I'm like no, I don't want to keep consuming her content. So it's this constant push and pull of like, I'm still Mm -hmm. attracted to them and want to be like part of this community. But then I am constantly stopping myself being like, no, like when you break it down, it was fake. And I think like the rise together and I think like pivoting slightly to the book, 
The fact that she yeah. wrote an entire book in quarantine, I'm like, yeah, that's crazy in and of itself. Just like acknowledging that if that is true, if that's the case, like that's insane. But B, like the whole time, like she she posted and on the podcast she was like I'm gonna take a break from social media which was like okay she took a break for like five days whatever but then she was like I'm gonna be doing updates on my email and so I'm on her email listserv and like it's very kind of you know like mellow content I would say Mm -hmm. but she's still like promoting the book and promoting her podcast and stuff so I'm like if it's this big of like an emotional upheaval like, you have enough money that you don't need to be doing this. But, like, the fact that you're still, you're basically going to be spending the next two months promoting this book that you had to, like, rewrite part of because it's about grief and you're going through a tough time. I'm like, that had to be part of your calculation in your mind yeah, before you n- left Dave, right? There was no way. There's no way. The timeline, like, like, do you think that she's using this? I'm going to I'm going to throw a bomb question at you. Do you think that she was using this timing to sell more more of this book about grief because she knows that there's people like us that are like, I want to know about the divorce or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I also like, feel the same way. <laughs> I she's not stupid. She's not stupid. She's very, very smart. And I think that. There's no way that all of this could have happened within a four-month time period. No. Without some sort of premeditation. Yeah. Like, there's just no freaking way. Like, it takes people, you know, years to write books. And then the editors have to, you know, proofread them and edit them. And then you go through the editing Mm -hmm. process with people. And then, like, you know, like, there's a lot of back and forth and back and forth. So I'm just not buying... that it was that quick for her to like, Oh, I was writing this book and then I, and then I shifted it or I wanted to scrap it. Like, I just, I just don't, I just don't think that I think. um, And the moving out of the house thing too. I'm like, even I know a lot of divorced people. I'm sure you do too, where it's like you maybe try like a separation first before you say like straight up divorce. Like let's, you know, try, you know, going on a, I guess you can't really do this in COVID, but like going on a vacation, going on a retreat, like doing marriage counseling or like living independently, but like don't tell the kids that we're getting divorced. But like they went straight to like the divorce eject button. I'm moving out forever, <laughs> like immediately. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, whoa. And that that's why I think your theory, even if it's not the, um, like girlfriend. The, the girlfriend angle <laughs> yeah which I, I think just to touch on that briefly I think that's really interesting especially because I feel like a lot of Rachel's writing like she came into her sexuality so much later than obviously Dave is eight years older than her so there's just that natural thing but like she he was her first but she wasn't his first kind of thing which I think is always a dynamic whenever that's in a relationship that can't it's it's just always a dynamic that's there of like one person has this experience and one person doesn't um and so I wonder the like salacious part of my mind is like oh I wonder like just because she was so kind of repressed in that area of her life for so long that there's areas that she wants to explore that maybe some other people that hadn't gotten married so young or married someone that was that much older than them or whatever so that's very interesting I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that um but I think even to go back to your first point of even if it's not the sexuality angle of just like her looking at her career and her life 
And for so many years, Dave was the star and he was the one that was like, they got to go to the Oscars because of him and he was making all the money and supporting her and she was making no money. And now the roles are reversed. She's like, oh, I don't have to settle for this anymore. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then, and that's, that's what I'm, that's my theory is that she, she's reached this level of, of fame and, stardom that she doesn't feel like she needs him anymore I think that she probably resents him yeah um in some ways and that yeah and like I I really do genuinely feel that Dave was doing his best to do everything that he could to stay in the relationship and to save their marriage I mean leaving the Disney company moving to Texas yeah. Being the CEO. And okay, now you don't want me to be the CEO. Okay, that's fine too. You yeah. know, like he was basically doing everything that he that she asked him to do and it was never going to be good enough. Yeah. Like I feel like Rachel's ego's gotten a little bit out of control. I even went down some like Reddit rabbit holes where like you heard some like crazy stories about how she's like behaved with people and these outrageous, outrageous things that she's asked for. Um, so it's almost like to, you know, be real Southern about it. Like she's getting a little too big for her britches. Yeah, almost. Totally. Like, I don't know um, if you, uh, if Shay told you this story, she told me this story and I don't know any of the connections and I hate to like speak for her when she's not here. I wish that she That's could tell good. it, but like, <laughs> like she was going to go run um, in the Waco Chip and Joanna. Oh, she did uh, tell me marathon. this. Yeah. This yeah. is a mutual Kappa friend of ours. But okay. you tell yeah. 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 And how like um, she called up the, the Magnolia people and was like, oh, Rachel wants to run in, in the Magnolia Marathon, but she needs a safety team. Yeah. And they like laughed at her because they were like, Chip doesn't even have yeah. a safety team. <laughs> like, like, who, who do, do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. Who do you think you are, lady? And then like I read I read this thing on a ra- on a on a Reddit thread where and I know that this 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 pans out because like I said, I've been following her on Instagram, I've been listening to the podcast. Like I I remember this. I remember seeing listening to this on the podcast. I remember seeing her post this on Instagram, and it was really interesting to get another person's perspective on it. So, you know, all of like 2019 or like a big chunk of 2018, Dave booked Rachel at a bunch of MLM conferences to oh, speak. I did not know anything about this. Yes. And he he said, and I can't remember which podcast episode it was, but like he overbooked her. He was like, mm-hmm. I that was my fault and I shouldn't have done that. But she was contractually obligated to speak at these MLM conferences, um, and they and they paid her well. You know, yeah. like she she got paid to do them. I so, know there was like, a period not- of time, like she's talked about that, where she was like traveling all the time and she was away. I didn't realize they were at MLM conferences though. Yes. And then, and so she has, it's, it's hurt her reputation because people hate MLMs. And so now they associate Rachel with MLMs and Dave is the one that booked those. Mm. And I think there's probably some underlying resentment there that it's like hurt her reputation. So anyway, she was at, she was in Hawaii on vacation because she famously talks about how much she loves Hawaii and she wants to have a vacation home there. That's where they always go as a family. And there was an MLM conference going on at the hotel or the resort or whatever, where they were staying. And, um, she, or no, 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 no. It wasn't a conference. It was like, uh, 
like you know, a reward. Like their top, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So like the top sellers or whatever get to go on this thing. And so Rachel knew that they were there and she liked the owner of this business. And she said, hey, I'm here. You're here. Let's do a podcast interview together. Um, you can come up to my room and, and we'll do the podcast. And then I'll come and I'll speak to your top sellers and do like a little motivational thing. And it was like, great. And I listened to the podcast episode. I thought it was a good um, episode on business or whatever. But obviously, like, we didn't get to hear what she said to the top sellers in her little motivational speech. So the the Reddit thread was written from a woman who was one of those top sellers oh. and got to be in the room and listen to Rachel's 30-minute motivational speech. And she talked about how, you know, it was kind of just like, oh, this is cool, you know, whatever. But, like, it wasn't super inspiring. Yeah. But what she thought was the weirdest thing is that before she came out there, someone came up to them and was like, do not take pictures. You cannot take videos, which is all like standard stuff. But then the other thing that was weird was that they said, and you're not allowed to speak to Rachel for the rest of the trip. Like if you see her on the grounds, if you see her by the pool or you see her somewhere, um, do not speak to her. She's on vacation and we need to respect her privacy. And they were like, all right, fine. You know, like yeah, that's, that's whatever. So anyway, she does this speech and the next day they're downstairs and getting breakfast, like having breakfast at the restaurant. And there was like a coffee bar or whatever. So they're like waiting in line to get coffee and Rachel's there. And she said her friend that was with her just very politely, like a normal human says, good morning. Like, you would say to anybody yeah, at the coffee bar. Not like bar. asking for a photo, <laughs> not like being crazy. No, just just acknowledging. Good, Hello. good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Like we all say good morning. And Rachel turned around and looked at her and said, you're not supposed to talk to me. What? That's <laughs> And walked away. Dude, the ego. I can't. That, I can't. I can't with that. And so now, you know, you're hearing all these stories. And then I saw, I read another Reddit thread from a woman who used to work at the Hollis Co., and she talked about how all Rachel wanted to do was make that bikini picture happen. Like that was, she was obsessed with making her bikini photo go viral. Like uh, it wasn't. And this is, you're referencing like the original bikini photo where. The original bikini photo. I like alluded to it in the overview, but basically uh -huh. around the same time that Girl Wash Your Face came out, it might've been a little before or a little after, but around that time she went viral because she posted a photo of her in a bikini and obviously Ra Rachel has four kids one of them was adopted but she's birthed three kids mm -hmm. so she has stretch marks like she's still very for those that have never seen a picture of her you can google it but she's very conventionally beautiful and you know we don't have to get into like that photo or whatever but it's not like I say she's not like an overweight person let's just say that it's like she's a very normal mom-sized person but obviously there's a lot of bravery even in that like showing your stretch marks but anyways I didn't realize that it was so calculated yeah, yeah. like the, the girl talked about how she thought that the working environment was very diverse and she really appreciated that about working for her like it was it was a priority to her to have a very diverse um uh, staff and all of that. And that was, that was, that was great. But she did talk about like, oh no, she tried to make that bikini photo happen for a long That's time. That's wild. Cause and that so was again, even before she's even at the height of her fame now. Like right. that was like 2016, before, 2017, like years ago. That was ago. before Girl Wash Your Face. Yeah. So again, wow. like it goes back to this idea of like her ego's kind of spiraling out of control. And then like 
she's she's always calculating, right? Like she didn't. She's always just, like ten steps ahead. She's always ten steps ahead. So like circling back to today, we before we hit record, um, the GSA announcement. Oh, my new book is coming out. Like today, the day that we are recording this podcast. She revealed the cover of her book, and it's on, uh, not GSA, GMA. Good Morning America is promoting it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's all happening. Like, everything that we all predicted when they announced their divorce is happening. Yeah. Like, like it's all somehow, all the chips are falling into place <laughs> such that, like, she's not going to miss a deadline. And, like, I do. And you can tell, too, I it was, like, an Instagram video or something but she's very obviously her business is in the live event space and she talks a lot about this that like they've had to pivot and stuff and I think that's part of the impetus for this book is she was like well if I can't like let's face it there's not going to be like an arena Rachel Hollis thing definitely in 2020 probably not for the first half of 2021 maybe this time next year she'll be able to do something but like the rate that the world is at like that's just my feeling it's not going to happen so she's like okay we can't do like 80 percent of the work that my company does I have to get this book and there needs to be enough hype and controversy around it such that people are Mm -hmm. interested yes I fully believe that I really I really crazy and it's wild yeah it's wild and it sucks because going back to what you were saying before like you know, she was a teacher and she's somebody that like, I got some great advice from and, and good tools. And, and do I just abandon that? Like she, she's the one that got me into a gratitude practice. Yeah. Like, same. Writing down five things that you're grateful for every single day. Like I start my day like that every single day. And it's just like, it's, and I'm still going to do that, but it's a bummer that it's all of this stuff is coming to light, you know, about, yeah. There, uh, and you just, you're like, ah, but I'm not going to get, I'm not going to give up my, my gratitude practice. It's kind of like, no, yeah. not to go off on another tangent, but like how it's all coming to light that like working for Ellen DeGeneres is not yeah. great. Like she's kind of like not a great boss and everybody loved her, but not to go on a different. No, I think it's an important train, point. It's but... like they're the, the people that we, we kind of hold on this pedestal and we say like they're perfect and we want to emulate their life like they're never perfect that's not an excuse for this like I think quasi manipulative behavior that's happening but it's like there's never going to be someone that's like a hundred percent exactly the way that we would act in these situations and like I'm I'm not going to pretend like I think you know there's aspects of being famous and being in the public eye that like I'll never truly understand and so, like, I do have yeah. some some of that empathy. I think, like, you don't lose your human, you don't leave your humanity at the door when you become a famous person. So, I think, like, that example of Rachel at the coffee bar, it's like, you know, you can still be a decent person, but like, <laughs> I think there reaches a level where like you have to have this like boundary, otherwise you lose parts of yourself. So that's a interesting, different topic. But I think like it's hard and in this like bringing it kind of bigger picture like in this culture where it's like we're uncovering all of this bad behavior it started with the b2 movement like ellen degeneres is a part of it now like this workplace culture um you know what do you do with all of those those memories and those practices and to me like the rachel hollis stuff like i'm I'm going to kind of ride the wave. Like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm probably going to still, like, listen to their podcast just because I'm, like, 
gossipy and I want to know what happens, even though (laughs) they're going to get the revenue from the ads, whatever. Like, I'm going to try to read the book without paying for it. And I'm going to see and assess. And it's hard because even throughout the past couple of weeks when they've come off of silence and now they have their separate work streams and everything, like there's still things that I, I find myself getting back into that mode of like, oh, this is a teacher who's teaching me. And so I'm hoping that I can go into it with kind of a more critical eye as we go into it. But I'm curious from your perspective as a mom, like Rachel, has, that's a perspective that I don't have on this yeah. whole situation of like, her kids are still pretty young. Like they're kind of ranging in ages. I think her oldest one is in middle school, but her youngest one is two years old. Like mm-hmm. has has that aspect of watching her as a mom like played into any of your opinions at all or yeah I mean I I don't know like I wish that I had more information as to what was really going on between her and Dave because I mean thankfully both of these people like tend to overshare so I'm hoping as time goes on we'll get more details (laughs) we will as as time goes on and so like maybe I could like I could empathize more but without having the details of what actually happened it is very hard for me as a mom to understand why she would move out yeah I think one of the interesting pieces would never I would never I would never. No. My kids are coming with me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that and totally, 100%. And I think the other piece to that that, uh, first podcast episode that you were alluding to where it was like Rachel posted it on one stream and Dave posted his on one stream and they were both like 20 minutes, just kind of initial thoughts. And Rachel was talking about how it was hard to tell their kids because all the resources around divorce are like, oh, well, you can bring up the fact that like, you know, kids, like, you've seen mom and dad fighting all the time, and, like, won't it be better when they're not fighting anymore, and, like, they can have their own space, and, like, you can, and all that stuff, and Rachel was like, that wasn't helpful, because Dave and I never fought in front of the kids, so that's where I'm, like, it almost goes back into the, like, calculating mindset, or the fact that it was never, it never came to that heated point, it was just always, like, Dave thought he was moving forward and doing the right thing, and Rachel was always, like, it was never enough. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, as a mom, well, I, I don't even have kids and I'm like, I would never let my kids out of my state ever. <laughs> yeah, so like, it, 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 that's why it's very hard for me to empathize. Like, and I wish that I had more information because, you know, obviously I'm in a, I'm in a happy marriage and I love my husband and we're, we're, we're great, you know? So like, it's, I can't even like imagine. Yeah. It's hard a to even get in that headspace to even think but about to it. To even get in that headspace of like, I, it would be so bad that I would remove myself and yeah. leave my boys it's true. with, with, with Jay. Like, I can't, I, I, it's, I can't even go there in my brain. And it, it, that, it, that was shocking to me. Honestly, that was probably the most shocking thing to me that, um, she was the one that moved yeah. out. Um, and I think, I think Dave probably feels just as bamboozled as the rest of us. Yeah. Well, it'll be very interesting to see how this unfolds. We were, any other final thoughts on Rachel Hollis before we do a very quick deep dive into Free Britney? Yeah. No, 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 no. I think we're good. (laughs) Okay. This is very all encompassing. I know. Well, there's so many, this is why it's such a fascinating story because it's like, 
this specific type of online media brand is so millennial and it's so new and these people like Rachel Hollis that are like I don't quite put her in the like famous for being famous category but it's almost kind of like that where it's like she does have a legitimate business and she provides a service to people but also there's all this intrigue about her personal life as if you would have with a celebrity and so I think you know she's I think 36 so like right in the like kind of older millennial category so I think it'll be interesting to see um I know there's been other influencers although I think Rachel and Dave are a little bit outside of the influencer bubble but they are there's kind of a overlap there like a lot of these influencers that put out a certain image on social media or in their content and then you slowly realize like oh this is much more complicated so <laughs> right I'm very interested in how it's going to turn out I know. um stay, but stay tuned Yes. So our next topic, free Britney. What's going on? Okay. Give it to me. So I, I, I first want to say like that I'm not like a super. I'm not like a super fan of Britney's. I obviously, um, I love her. I listened to all of her music growing up, yeah. and so I she's care about her. I care about her. She is an icon. She is she's important. <laughs> she's an important person to me, but I'm not like a Stan, you know? Yeah. Um, and she really wasn't on my radar. I mean, she kind of fell off of, um, my radar, um, until the last couple of weeks when I was going through, you know, you get on Instagram stories and you just spend like an hour there Yeah. and 100%. people, people were reposting in their stories, these dances that Brit, that Brittany was posting on her Instagram and I was like, oh, wow, okay. I haven't seen Britney in a while. I haven't, like, thought about Britney in a while. And I go to her Instagram, and it's a bit odd. Like, it's off. It's off. And the dancing and the way that she's talking and the captions and everything, I'm like, Britney, are you okay? Like, what's what's going on here? You know, it was, it was, it was strange. Like, and so... Um, I started just to pay more attention yeah. and then um, one of my favorite podcasts that I listened to uh, be there in five mm. with Kate Kennedy. Yes. Excellent she, one. yeah, she's great. And when she does a deep dive, she does a deep dive, like the detail that she goes into the research that she does. Like, I know it consumes her life to be able to provide these deep dives with the amount of content that she provides. And she did a two-part Free Britney series on her podcast. So if you really want to know, like, the nitty-gritty stuff, um, I would highly suggest you go and listen to it. But they're long. Yeah. <laughs> Be warned. They're, like, two hours each. Um, and basically, it goes into how Britney's been in a conservatorship, under a conservatorship, that uh, with her dad. Her dad, like, basically has control over her entire life and has for like the last 10 years yeah since the infamous like she shaved her head and was beating the car with an umbrella situation yeah and she had like that 5150 hold and she was you know all of that stuff so it's interesting because she started posting this content that is a little off and a lot of people have started making memes of like if you've seen the dance videos and stuff and people started making memes of it and then the whole conservatorship came to light and so now people think that you know 
her her Instagram has become like a cry for help. And so this whole like free Britney from her conservatorship movement has has happened. And what I appreciated about Kate Kennedy's um, deep dive is that she actually spoke with a lawyer about conservatorship, why they exist, who are the people that have them, and should this free Britney movement even exist? Yeah, that was going to be my first question of like, <laughs> if someone's acting erratic on Instagram, shouldn't that maybe say that they aren't mentally well enough to take care of themselves or... Exactly, exactly. So, you know, a conservatorship is something that gets put in place, you know, usually when an aging parent has dementia, they can no longer make medical decisions, they can no longer take care of themselves, and like a son or a daughter or spouse has conservatorships uh, to take over their finances, um, so there's a specific one for finances and there's a specific one for person, your person. Okay. You have a conservatorship of your person. Brittany has both. So her dad has control over her finances and her person. So like if she wants to travel or like right. do something like I know she just got engaged or married or something like relatively recently, like all that stuff, like her dad would have control over essentially. Right, right, exactly. So it, what's what started to happen over the last several weeks is we're starting to see more and more of like, I feel like the real Brittany coming yeah. out in her social media. And like one of the theories is that she's not wanting this conservatorship anymore. Like she's contesting it and she wants to be freed from this conservatorship. And so maybe this this Instagram posting has been her dad Jamie's way of like loosening the reins a little bit mm -hmm. like okay like we're gonna like like let you have some access to social media and like let's see let's roll the dice and like see yeah. what happens or whatever yeah relatively low risk she's yeah. not hurting anyone whatever she's not hurting anyone she seems to really enjoy dancing on Instagram and they're funny and people are enjoying it I enjoy the dance videos yeah. they're very entertaining yeah <laughs> you know but you you do realize like something's not right here like the way that she's talking and the captions it's all very juvenile Mm. it's all very juvenile and like you almost feel like I almost like I'll just speak for myself you almost feel like weird watching them like yeah should I like, be you're watching not a 35 year old woman you're like 15 <laughs> yeah well I think it's yeah. really interesting I'm, I'm definitely gonna look at those videos because I'm fascinated by this and I think it's almost like I don't I almost like don't want to invoke this because I think there's a lot of baggage associated to this, but it almost reminds me of Michael Jackson in that like when you become famous so young, like I've heard right. other celebrities say this, that like whatever age you become famous is the age that you stop growing as a person. You so stop like progressing. Absolutely. Right. And like when you go and you look like at her, her images, she's still wearing like the really low cut yeah. shorts and the crop tops and like heavy on the lower lid eyeliner yeah. <laughs> like her whole style is like in the style. 90s when she was 14 or whenever she started becoming famous yeah like nothing has changed and like I just want to be like girl put on some high-waisted jeans and use a makeup wipe like yeah. it's okay <laughs> like that's what I wonder with all of this like obviously she I think it's not controversial to say like she does have some type of mental illness but I wonder in her case compared to like the average person that we would come in contact with how much of this behavior and her whole persona is mental illness versus 
the fact that she's so famous. Like, she's probably one of, like, the top ten yeah. people that if you say Britney Spears, like, you know, p- yeah. people all over the world know who she is. And so, like, that level of fame, what does that do to you when you have an underlying mental illness versus, right. you know, you have a support system? And obviously we know, like, even Britney Spears' dad, like, she came from nothing. So, like, even her parents, like is he really equipped to like deal with her level of finances and stuff? Like probably not, you know? Yeah. And they, and they go into that in, in the podcast episode about how, you know, we will never know what the underlying diagnosis is for Brittany. And we, and we shouldn't, you know, those are, that's sealed, that's confidential. That's, that's her health. That's private. There's something, you know, but, but clearly there's something. And that's what the lawyer was uh, talking about is she's like, conservatorships are not easy to get. Yes. And I can actually attest this because my mom is a lawyer and she, um, she works for the County that my parents live in, but she handles um, mental health situations. So like people that are adults that are held involuntarily at um, the hospital, basically, or like in inpatient treatment that like, it has to be so severe that they can't be let out into the public, essentially, like they would be a harm to themselves or others if they were let out. And so there's like, processes yeah. in place. This is in Michigan. I don't know if it's different in California, but I'm sure every state has a version of this where it's like every so often you have to bring the case in front of a judge and be like, does this person get to be let out? And I'm sure conservative chips are the same way. And yes, like these are truly constantly... Yeah, these are truly heartbreaking cases, but the fact that she's been under constant conservatorship for 10 years, like the More state of 10 years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like the state of California wouldn't I think I like to think just based on my experience with my mom like they wouldn't let that happen just because the the barrier is so high for these types of things like the the law sides with the autonomy of the person unless it's so severe that you like need it so and and that was what the lawyer was saying it's constantly reevaluated yeah like it's not like a one one and done forever like it's constantly being reevaluated and what this lawyer was saying going back to her dad you know, these things are highly, highly regulated. So, you know, all of these conspiracy theories that her dad is, you know, got conservatorship over her finances and of her person so that he can embezzle all of her money because mm-hmm. obviously she's worth millions and millions of dollars. And he, and she's like, that cannot happen because the state is doing the accounting. Like they want to yeah. see exactly where every penny goes where it's been like it would be impossible for him to embezzle money from his daughter because of the state being you know having it under a microscope like the state is not going to let that happen that's a good point if he really wanted to embezzle he would not put her under conservatorship and he would just hire like a crooked accountant that worked for him (laughs) Exactly. And she's like, I, she's like, I wouldn't want that responsibility. She's like, it's a lot of responsibility. And, you know, so she's like, I, I feel for her dad because he's been doing this for a long time. And she's like, and if we actually look at Britney's career, um, over the past 10, 15 years, she's really thrived. I, you know, she had a Las Vegas 
residency where she did like she did very very well while she was under this conservatorship and um like kate kennedy talked about how she went and she saw britney in las vegas and she was like it was an amazing show it was one of the best experiences ever and she's you know so you know what do we really you know what are we really hoping for when we say free Britney? Are we, are we thinking that, you know, Oh, she's going to get released from this and she's going to drop this amazing album and it, and it's going to, you know, be dedicated to the fans and thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, that's not what's going to happen. Like if, if, if she's been thriving under this conservatorship for this long and, and, you know, there's a reason for it and we won't know what the reason is and we shouldn't know what the reason is, but you know, there's two sides to every coin and it's, it's, it's crazy to think that like we as a society can like make a difference in Britney's life by doing hashtag free Britney yeah. and she's going to be like released from this conservative. Like that's yeah. not how, that's well, not I how think that works. this is a big, and like she obviously needs it. <laughs> this is a big, like endemic thing. I think that a lot of millennials and Gen Z fall into is this like sloganization of things. Like even what we're seeing with like, you know, the political unrest and stuff. It's like any like of these three letter things like Black Lives Matter, defund the police, free Britney. Like these mean different (laughs) things to like you ask someone what it means and you could get different answers depending on how many different people you ask. And so I think this like social media hashtagging and like sloganization of like very complex issues, especially when you're talking about like my mom always talks about this. Like when you're talking about a case that's like years old it's not like a murder trial where there was a trial that lasted a few weeks and then it kind of you know there was a verdict and then it ended right like those are very easy for people to digest but when you're talking about these cases like child abuse and neglect cases or like anything involving cps where it's like there's multiple years worth of like a caseworker talking to people or like in the case of Brittany, a conservatorship that spans this length of time there's so much nuance there and there's so many levels of people involved in levels of government that like you can't just like go on Twitter and look at the free Britney hashtag and like understand all of the nuances of like this legal stuff. So <laughs> right. I definitely appreciate the um, recommendation of Kate Kennedy's stuff. I'm definitely going to look into that. I'm very interested. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's two, it's two episodes and they're over two hours long each of them so like we certainly don't have time to get it no it's a nuanced issue so I'm glad she went into all of that yeah yeah and I really appreciate that she brought to light and had a professional lawyer come on and talk about what the law actually looks like and why these things are in place and how it's not easy to get one and how you know it is to protect the person from themselves and if you know Brittany is thriving under this conservatorship like maybe it wouldn't be a good thing to hashtag free Britney and let's just enjoy her dance videos on Instagram and continue to listen to her music and love her for who she is yeah 100% (laughs) I think that's a great place to end on yeah thank you so much Emily for joining us I know I I feel very cathartic (laughs) I got all my points across. I learned some stuff. 
I love me it. too. I'm I'm happy to come in and uh, chat with you girls anytime. Thanks. Love it so much. You're definitely a great friend of the pod. So let us um, know where we can where we can find you if if people are oh. interested in your podcast yeah. or your fitness or just you um, in general. My um, Instagram is at Enjoy Movement Studio, and that's Enjoy with an I. So it's I N J O Y movement studio that's the name of my pilates and gyrotonic studio and um i everything is on there i mean it's movement it's me working with clients it's the podcast it's me and my family i don't have like a bunch of separate you know i like that the authenticity what you see is what you get (laughs) yeah you know how everyone's like oh you gotta have a personal one or you gotta have a business one or you gotta have one for the podcast or you gotta have one for your course your workshop and I'm like that's way too many Instagrams yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's working for you it's working for me so at enjoy movement studio I don't it's me like if you dm me there like you're gonna get me I don't have like a media team that like handles my dms or anything like that, that. so awesome. and I love dms so we do too up. awesome well thanks again <laughs> Emily and Thank campers will be back um, in two weeks. Um, Shay and I are putting together our kind of, we were a little bit slow during the COVID times, but now people I feel like are coming out of their hibernation a little bit. So we're putting together our next slate of guests. So look out for that. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com. And you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at camp.